Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right have into the Bibles, Word of God. Have your Bibles turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice evermore. One translation says, Rejoice always. Somebody say always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And you know, we normally stop right there. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's personal. It's a personal application when we, when we look at the Word of God. So I'm going I'm to minister tonight from this subject. The polarity of life. The polarity of life. Can somebody say that with me? The polarity of life. May not make sense now, but it will in just, a, in just about two hours. How many have ever jumped off a dead battery in a car? Raise your hands. I mean, we've jumped, jumped them off. Without saying it, if you have, you have an understanding that the red cable goes on the... Are you sure? The red cable goes on what side? The positive. And the black cable goes on the negative side. Everybody still with me? Has anyone ever got the two mixed up? Anybody ever got them mixed up? Brother Edwin, you have? Did it blow up? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I hope you haven't, or if you did, you caught it real quick. Because if, if, if you allow this to take place for a lengthy period of time, there are things that can happen. Many of those unpleasant. The reversal of polarity can cause a buildup of hydrogen gas within the battery that can ignite or even explode that battery. Also, the heat that builds up can even melt the insulation around the cables and create a surge powerful enough to permanently damage all of the electronics that your vehicle depends on. Anybody ever had that? Went to that extreme? I hope you have. I hope you haven't. But it, that's what happens when you have a mix-up in the polarities or the way the battery was designed. So basically, this is what happens in life. This is what happens in life. Bad things happen when you put negative where there is supposed to be positive. This is true in our mind just like it is in a car battery. If you put a negative thought where you should have put a positive thought, you may not blow up, 
But hear me in the Holy Ghost. But you won't grow up. Mm, help me right here, church. You may not blow up, but you won't grow up into the version of yourself that you have always wanted to become. I know some of you may have an opinion about the idea of positive thinking. Somehow as though it were somehow, some way, a betrayal of the gospel. But what I've discovered through my life that those who look down on the power of positive thinking are those that view it as carnal and unspiritual are some of the most negative people walking on the planet. Here is one thing I know for sure. I, the more I pay attention to the polarity of my life or the polarity of my mind, the more I've liked the direction of my life. Where do I want to go? Which direction am I going? That will take place when I come to an understanding and I say, you know what, I'm going to pay attention to the polarity of my mind. Do I have the positive on where the positive goes? And do I have the negative on where the negative goes? Come on somebody, help me right now. Let me, let me help somebody in this Bible study this evening. I don't believe, as I studied this the subject of power of uh, the power of positive thinking. I don't believe in positive thinking as a replacement for God, but as a response to God. Now, if you'll catch that one principle right there, it'll revolutionize the way you think. I've said it before. I am more prone to see the glass half full than half empty. That's just who I am. But the Holy Ghost dealt with me this afternoon and said, why don't you start looking and declaring, my cup overfloweth. Start living a life, the polarity of my life, shift and say, you know what? I serve a God that has the ability to allow my cup to overflow. It's a change of mindset. The polarity of life. It's a change of mindset. What is faith if not a filter that allows you to process your experience, the experiences of your life through the goodness of God? Choosing to reject what you see and clinging to what you trust He is doing. And I know that, that, that was a mouthful. That's what faith does. It allows us to process the polarity of life. Those things that have happened. Those experiences in our life through the goodness of God. I choose to reject necessarily where, where I'm at or what I may see right now. But I cling to that. I, I cling to the trust that I have in Him that He knows what He's doing. Everything that comes my way has been through. It's filtered through the goodness of God, Brother Chris, before it ever gets to me. Before it ever gets to 408 Warren Road. It's already been filtered through the goodness of God. Faith allows us to believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Positive thinking is an evil. In fact, you will see just the opposite in Scripture. It's not offensive to God. It's obedience to God. 
The shortest verse in the Bible, I posted it this week as I was preparing for this in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. I know you automatically think of John 11.35 being the shortest verse in the Bible, but in the original language, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16, in the original language was only 14 characters long, and Jesus wept was 16 characters long. And it, it came to me that the shortest verse in the Bible is quite honestly the hardest to live. Rejoice always. That, that, that's the hardest one to live. We talk about love your neighbor as yourself. Pretty tough sometimes. But let, let's talk about the shortest yet most powerful verse in the Scripture. Rejoice always. Now let me break that down for all of us that, you, you know, not some of the time. Not when things are good, Brother Edwin. Not when you're on the mountain, Brother Paul. Not when you got a raise this week, Brother Dallas. Not when all the bills are paid or when you get that promotion and the list could Well, I got a new car. Brother and Sister Dodd, hallelujah. It's easy to rejoice and thank God in a season when we're getting. But what about the season when He's taken? What about a season of barrenness and dryness and you have to wake up and strap your boots on and, and you really don't want to get out of bed because I, I just don't want to face today, much less tomorrow. But, but, but the Bible says rejoice always. Somebody say always. The good times, the bad times, the high times, the low times, the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows. Paul tells us specifically that ever-present joy is a part of God's plan for our lives. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Concerning you. Now, now somebody ought to shout right now. Because some of you have been wondering what the will of God is for your life. I just found it. You don't have to have a prophet point you out and tell you what to do. Come on somebody. I, I, I've got a word for you and I'm not saying that maliciously. I'm letting you know. Here is the answer. And it will relieve your stress and fear. This is the will of God. Start worshiping. Start rejoicing. Always pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the will of God. Pastoring for, now I say this, almost 13 years. We often associate the will of God with a destination. A destination. But it's not according to Scripture. If we will start doing this one Scripture, our whole thought process and attitude will shift. If I can do the what until God reveals the where, if there is a destination attached to the will of God, what I do will qualify me for the destination. 
Because the destination doesn't qualify us for the will of God. It's what we do every day. How I respond every day. That's the will of God. If you want to know tomorrow, what's the will of God for my life? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. If I can do those three things, Sister Julia, there's something that shifts in my mind. I can walk into work and the devil could have set up a bad day for me, but what he didn't understand on my trip from, from home to work, I got a revelation. I'm going to do what the Scripture has said. I'm going to obey what He said. Devil, you better watch out because I am in the will of God. Somebody shout amen. If there is a where for you, what you do daily will prepare you for it. It's what you do right now. It's what you do while you're in the waiting. It's what you do. It's the what. I'll never forget. Maybe you'll go back with me. Memory lane. I've used this as so much of an illustration from time to time. But it just came back to me. We had tried out for a church in Wisner, Louisiana. We had preached in there so many times. We'd walked into that building and and there was a connection with the church. And at the resignation of my dear friend, he called me and said, we're resigning. And uh, I would like for you to be the first preacher to come in. And uh, I've submitted two names and I feel like you're going to be the one they select. And went in, preached Sunday morning. Power of God moved. We left. People were hanging all on us. We'll see you in two weeks. We're so glad that God has sent you all our way. And, you know, my wife and I, as excited as we could be, we had prayed for this door. We had been faithful in our local church. We had, I mean, anything and everything we could put our hand to. We had started outreach ministries. We had started adopt a blocks. We had been in Sunday school. We had been, we had taught Sunday school. We had been on the youth department staff. There were, I mean, there was nothing, the cleaning department, we had done it all. I said, my God, we've been doing the what? We have been rejoicing. We have been praying. We have been faithful. We've been giving you thanks. And then, I'll never forget driving to church on that Wednesday night. And I walk in, get on the drums. Oh, I was a musician. Faithful. I got on them drums and, whew, it's 7.30. It's election time. I'm waiting on the call. But, whoo, they ain't called me yet. I couldn't even listen to pastor preach or teach. and Something happened. What's going on? I walked out of that building in my head. I got about halfway down the parking lot. Brother Josh in the phone rang. Brother Jack. Brother Britt, I've called to tell you. You were not selected to be our pastor. Are you serious? Yes, sir. I'm so sorry. We had, we had hoped that you would be our pastor. But the boats just didn't line up and you were not selected. It was about a three-day depression. Or it felt like an eternity. A three-day depression. And we began a journey. My wife and I literally had boxes packed down the hallway. We was ready to move. This is the door. This is the time. 
God, you have got the where. We've been doing the what, and now the where is finally here. Boxes lined up in the hallway. They were almost a mockery, Brother Chris, every time we come home. It didn't work. Start crying, go to bed, depressed. It didn't happen. Failure. What happened? Why didn't I? Why didn't I? Little did I know when I got myself together and I shook myself enough that God could talk and my pastor to say, you know what? The timing just wasn't right, son. Your emotions trump the Spirit every time. Your emotions got involved in this and it just wasn't right. Okay, pastor. It was... It, tell you exactly how it was I don't remember but I got a call from Port Natchez, Texas it was in the middle of a fast it was on day 17 of no bread no meats no sweet at that time it was juice water only not water only it was juice only for 17 days God we gotta have some we gotta have a breakthrough I don't know what you're doing he called Pastor Danny Lee called when we arrived, we was on day 17 of a 21-day fast. And it was in that revival that God broke something in our spirit and revealed to us that the body of Christ needed us in the realm that we were at. Where we were, we were in the will of God. What happened was in the will of God. But I had to correct the way my mind, the polarity of my mind and not look at it as a negative but look at it as a positive because i had to i had to put the positive on the positive and the negative on the negative and i had to get that right because for the next almost two solid years weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend Revival after revival after revival. It broke loose. We've seen unprecedented revivals. Unprecedented amounts of miracles, signs and wonders and doors open. But if I would have let myself, I could have stayed bogged down in what didn't happen instead of letting God correct the polarity of my life and focus on God's got a way. God's got a plan. It's been filtered through the goodness of God. Now I look back and I know if I'd have went there, I would have never came here. If I would have done that, God wouldn't have done this. Oh, if somebody could hear me right now in the Holy Ghost, God has protected some of you and you didn't even know it. I don't know why I went that direction. Was it a detour? No, 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 no. It wasn't a detour. Why? Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Your setbacks have only become setups for where you are now. Because if that hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. If that door hadn't closed, this door wouldn't have opened. It's all in how you process life. It's the polarity of life, Sister Carla. God had to get you here to, from Texas to Alabama. We don't know why the landlord sold the house. We don't understand. But he always has a ram in the bush. He always has a plan. I've just got to trust him and not let, let my, my mind, my life, get a, the polarity get messed up. 
You may say, why is it important to God that you rejoice all the time? Pray frequently. And stay thankful. Oh, help me right now. It's impossible to do those things and be negative at the same time. I'm going to be negative. God's good. God's good all the time. Now start talking now. I can't talk negative because I'm focused on the goodness of God. God, I'm praying. God, I'm believing. God, I'm trying. How are you going to be negative if you're praying? How can somebody be thankful in all things? And God, God's pretty smart. He understands mere humanity better than we do. And He's put a formula called the will of God. It's called how to deal with the polarity of life. If I can do these three things, something happens. When you feel like complaining, when you see yourself acting selfishly, or you find yourself slipping into a bad mood, start a prayer meeting. Start a prayer meeting. Hello. Start a prayer meeting full of joy and gratitude. Start thinking this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, set your mind on things above. Hear me in the this is the word. Set your mind on things above is declaring war on low-level thinking. I'm setting my mind on things. I'm just a pastor. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I can't let my heart get to at home down here very much because you know what? I wasn't born for here. I'm a citizen of another kingdom. I'm a citizen of another place. I'm just passing through. I'm just moving on through this thing called life. We often say, we sing it. I miss Sister Deborah Jones if you're watching or will watch this. She used to say this or sing this. Don't let the devil ride. Don't let the devil ride because if you let him ride, he'll want to drive. So don't let him ride. It's kind of like negativity. If you let negativity in the door, it will want to take a seat at your table. And if you let him sit at your table, he'll want to sleep in your bed. And before long, negativity becomes your default mode. It's just easy to default. I, I, I become known as Mr. Negative or Mrs. Negative. Or... Come on, somebody. That's a boring life to wake up. Ooh, woe is me. Just an old negative life. A man called his mother one day. She was so set in her negativity. And when he called, he said, Mom, it's October the 1st today. She responded, I know, isn't it dreadful? You talk about negative. I've discovered this a long time ago. The, the reward of gloominess is more gloominess. I'm glad the Bible gives us examples to look at. Elijah being one of them. He understood what it felt like to crash from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. You don't believe me? Go to the top of Mount Carmel. 450 prophets of Baal sent to a contest to see whose God was real. The God that answered by fire 
would be the winner. The prophets of Baal danced and sang, jumped and spun, cut themselves until blood gushed out, but Baal was silent. Elijah mocked them relentlessly. I can only imagine the taunts. Maybe, maybe your, maybe your God is deaf. Maybe your God is on vacation. Maybe your God is this or that. And eventually the prophets gave up exhausted. But Elijah had to repair the altar and prepare his sacrifice. But then he did something strange. He ordered the Israelites to douse the sacrifice with 12 barrels of water. Now if I'd have been one of the men in the Israelite camp, I probably would have objected to the command of the prophet. Because if you want to start a fire, you might put a little gasoline on it. You might put a little ga gasoline or diesel on it. But you don't start a fire by putting water on it. Because in a normal circumstance, wet wood don't burn. But dousing the sacrifice was probably the most significant thing that happened in that story. And you may say, why? Well, the first of all, God can do the impossible. But oftentimes when God gets ready to do the impossible, He often calls us to do the impractical. He regularly asks people to do things that seem odd and then blesses them supernaturally. I, I, I like to look at God like this. He likes to stack the deck against Himself so that when it all happens, He's the only one that receives the glory. So to God, wet wood wasn't no problem. I believe God may have had this thought pattern. Wet wood is better. I thought about that this afternoon. The wetter, the better. Just, just pour it on there. Just pour it on there. Because here's the reason why. It's important to know that the Israelites were facing a three-year drought. The water that they poured must have come from a personal water supply. What they were told to give up was the very thing they needed more of. Come on somebody on a Wednesday night. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Elijah knew that as long as they had any water remaining, they would depend on the water and not on God. But when Elijah could get the last remaining, the last bucket of water out of their kitchens, out of their cupboards, and begin to pour it out at his feet on a sacrifice, they were in essence putting their their faith entirely in God. I don't know if they realized when they poured the last bucket, Brother Josh. I don't know how I'm gonna, I don't know what we're gonna do when we get home. I don't even have enough water to make a meal. I don't even have enough water to drink. I, I don't know what we're going to do. But those prophets understood I've got to get the polarity of my life in order so that I can be obedient to what God asked. When Elijah opened his mouth, when he opened his mouth to pray, he never cut himself. He didn't act crazy. All he did was pray. And at that moment, fire fell from heaven. The Bible said consumed all of the meat, all of the water, all of the wood, and even the rocks. Come on, somebody. 
Elijah then ordered all 450 prophets of Baal to be brought down to the valley to be killed. But it gets even better. Elijah prayed a prayer for the rain to return. After this event, sending a servant to look seven times to see if the prayer had been answered. Only to come back with a report. Pathetic to some. Minute to others. But the old servant come back. Man of God, I've went seven times. But on this seventh time, I see a little cloud the size of a man's hand showed up. But what they didn't understand, but God did. And what the prophet understood, that little cloud would soon fill the sky. And that little cloud would drench the earth. Hear me tonight, sanctuary. As a result of their obedience, God gave them back twelve barrels of water Plus some. When you think of how beautiful this story is, the water they had poured out was turned to steam by the fire of God that rose to heaven where God multiplied it and returned it as much more than was given. My God, the seed never looks like the harvest it contains. I'm going to say that again. The seed doesn't look like the harvest that's inside of it. But when that harvest or when that seed gets into the ground and that seed begins to die and that seed begins to get in that ground and begins to open up, there is a harvest far beyond the mind. The polarity of the mind can comprehend. Your life can't even comprehend what's on the other side of your obedience. Somebody ought to clap your hands right now. Somebody ought to shout unto God. It's on the other side of your obedience. It's when we're obedient that God shifts. He shifts the economy. He shifts the resources. But I wish that was the way the story ended talking about the polarity of life and I've come to give some of you hope. You would think that this victory would carry Elijah on and he would be positive and declare the goodness of God. But with a whole nation rejoicing in water, it's gone. The famine's gone. We're blessed. God's hand's moving. God's hand's moving back upon us. It's, it's going to be okay. One man slaying 450 prophets of Baal. One man's prayer turning the tide and reversing the curse. The evil prophets are dead. 450 of them. But Elijah entered into a, a season that almost took him out. Despite the fact that all of Israel was looking to put him on their shoulders and declare him as a hero. Queen Jezebel posted on her Facebook page that she was going to kill him. It sent him on a downward spiral of negativity. Sadness that completely demolished the good spirits he was on and in on Mount Carmel. He crashed so low that he ended up running for his life. 
They say 100 miles he went on that journey. He landed under a tree and he prayed that he might die. Come on now. You just called fire down from heaven. You just slew 450 prophets of Baal. You just prayed the prayer that reversed the curse and broke the famine. And here you are over a wicked queen going to run for your life. And I'm talking about the polarity of life. Does it sound familiar? God's been doing all of these great things. God's been, and I barely can pick my chin up off the ground. I don't understand. Got more money in the bank than we know what to do with. God's blessed us. The favor of God's on uh, driving new vehicles. Got brand new house. But I can't get. I'm going to just curse God and die. I don't know what I'm going to do. The polarity of life. It's just, it's just a, what is it, God? I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Elijah gives us a good word picture. It gives us a good example. And it gives us kind of like we all have been sometime or another in life. Our theme is, woe is me. Nobody loves me. Why? She's going to kill me. You don't think the same God that could kill 450 prophets can't deal with His little finger, the queen? Come on. Where is our faith? Where is, have you ever stopped? What are you thinking about? What, where are you allowing your mind, the depths of despair to go? But you know what? He ain't the only one. I could spend time talking tonight about another prophet. A prophet. I said a prophet. Jonah. He had an up and down ministry. He gets a lot of flack for his running from God. But to, be, but to be fair, Brother Sparks, if we understood how the story really was, how insanely wicked the Ninevites were, we, may have, would have, we might not be so hard on Brother Jonah. How would you like to know that the folks that you're going to preach to, they just piled up skulls of their victims outside of their homes as decoration. They would remove lips and noses and treat them as badges. They would cut off people's eyelids and tie them outside in the sun so they had no way to blink or, in turn, or even turn their gaze away from the hot burning sun and as a result would permanently blind them. So I get when God has Jonah to preach to them. He said, I ain't going to Nineveh. I'm going, I, I like my eyes too much. I like my eyelids. I, you know what? I'm cool. I'm alright, God. Send somebody. Send Brother Chris down there, but don't send me. Send Brother Cameron down there, but don't send me. Man, it got so bad. What's worth noticing? It got bad. And I'm making a long story short. He eventually came around and agreed to go. It took a trip in the belly of a great fish, three days and three nights in the deep, but a repentant prayer. And he preached the gospel, hear me, to one of the most bloodthirsty civilizations ever. I don't know of another human that's, I'm going to tell you, they got a response to their preaching. The entire city repented. The entire city repented. Not one, let me read it. 
It was such a revival that everyone from the king to the peasant clothed themselves in sackcloth and ashes to reveal their remorse and repentance. They even put sack... You ready for this? I know you're not ready, but I'm going to tell you. They even put sackcloth and ashes on their animals. Easy would have had to have sackcloth and ashes on her. Winston would have had to have... Come on, somebody. They covered everything. The cattle, the cats, and the dogs. They were making sure that everything, everything was under the blood, if you will. It is likely one of the greatest revivals in human history. Can you imagine preaching one message and 120,000 souls came running and repenting? Come on, brother. You preach one message and 120,000 people just fell to their knees and said, okay, I've been waiting on you, Jonah. That's every pastor's dream right there. That's every evangelist. Brother Harper, if you're watching tonight, that's your dream to preach one message and 120,000 get the Holy Ghost. And after preaching that message of repentance, God sparing a city. I, this don't even make sense. Bro. He would sink into a pit of despair. And it made him want to die. Matter of fact, he would use the words like this. I can't believe you sent me down there to repent. I knew you were too good God to kill him. He went preaching. But was hoping that God wouldn't, really wouldn't. He wanted them dead rather than... God help us if we want people dead rather than come to an altar of repentance. You do know there are people that would rather you backslide than be saved. There are people that... God, I, I want to preach a message where everybody repents, where everybody is saved, where everybody has a chance. But you know what? If it don't happen for me, I'm going to clap for the next person down the road. I'm going to clap for the next one down the road and pray, God, fill their church. Let them have a... It may not all happen here, but if it happens there, it's okay. Oh, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure this out, brother. We only got about 410 seats in here. Got about 27 chairs in the back. That's about as big as our revival can get in one setting. But there's 14,500 people in Hartsville. God help us. God help us to expand our, the polarity of our life. He's not the only one that struggled. 740. Paul could relate. Hear me. Writer of 13 of 27 books in the New Testament. Was a tortured genius. Wrote most of the books of the Bible from a prison cell. You really want to be used to God? Be careful. Romans 7, 15 and 24 is an honest and relatable articulation of the reality of being your own worst enemy. Paul was probably one of his worst critics. He would say, I'm not practicing what I like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. Wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. He realized that the battle between doing what was right and wrong, the positive and negative, was a real battle. It was not something you couldn't do without rejoicing. It's not something that you can do without praying. 
It's not something you can do without in everything give thanks. It's as still relevant today as it was from the three men of God that I have mentioned. Charles Swindoll wrote, and I quote, I'm glad that when God paints the portrait of His men and women, He paints them warts and all. He doesn't ignore their weaknesses or hide their frailties. Elijah, Jonah, and Paul, their struggles were as real as yours and mine. You are not alone in your battle to keep your mind from drifting into negativity. We're calling fire down from heaven on Sunday, but by Monday, where are we at? We're calling fire down. We're, we're preaching messages where the waters are being troubled. And by Tuesday, we, we, it's hard to even live with you. It's hard to be in the same room. Come on now, we've got we to rise above that. We've got to get the polarity of our life changed. And we've got to start embracing the formula which God has given us. The truth. There is a truth in the old saying. New levels, new devils. This battle ain't going nowhere. I don't care who you, If you think I can't wait until I mature to a place, I won't have issues anymore. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. Well, I thought when I got the Holy Ghost, everything was going to be alright. No, no, no. Your, your target just got bigger. I fought some of the greatest battles I've ever fought after walking out of a pulpit and seeing God do the miraculous. God, you don't think I fought a battle over what you're, what you're sitting in right now? You don't know how many times I felt my body pinned to a bed and I have to fight warfare because the devil knew there's a harvest that's locked inside of this room and he don't want it to come to pass. I fought that battle. I could test a... It was as though the demons pinned me to the bed, but I said, devil, you can't have this dream and you can't have this... I refuse to give up. I refuse not to press forward. Every new levels, there's new devils. If anything, the battle grows more complex. Hear me, sir. Hear me, ma'am. These are not my words. These are moved on by the Holy Ghost today. If any, if, if you need to know the battle grows more complex as you progress in your spiritual journey. Don't think your commitment to God, you're saying yes to things and no to things, isn't going to bring an attack. Be careful who you listen to when you're in the middle of the battle. Don't listen to some carnal voice when you're trying to be more spiritual. When you're trying to make a, a commitment to holiness and to, to, to righteousness and moving toward the things. Of, don't listen to some half-backslid reprobate that tries to tell you it's not in... Come on, somebody. You better tune in and understand. It's going to get more complex as you progress. You better, you better listen to the voice of the Spirit right now because the more you do, the more the enemy will try to stop you. Some of you know this. You're in it right now. I'm in the Holy Ghost. You're trying to do things and it seems like the more you let go of, the none of this happened when I wasn't doing this. The Holy Ghost is tapped into some of, I'm in the Ushatokos. The Holy Ghost is in some of your conversations. When I begin to sacrifice, when I begin to let go, that's when the enemy, you're right, he did. Every new level, there's a new devil. But don't you stop. Don't you let go. You better hang on and get a, you better get a firm grip. I ain't backing up, devil. I'm not backing up. I'm not letting go. I'm doing. 
what I've been called to do. You got to keep the polarity of your life going. You got to keep it going. That's just like you're, you're, you've, been, you've been winning battles. You've been making progress. I rejoice if it's been a day. See, some of y'all don't, you done forgot about what it was like to go a day without something. I rejoice in, in, in a three day victory. See, a three day victory to an addict, you, there's no words to describe. Matter of fact, I believe they give you coins. You can get coins for different levels of progress. I've come today, I'm looking across this room right now, and I'm seeing people who have made it through some stuff. And if I, I had grapes Sunday, if I had a few coins, I'd throw a few coins out here to us tonight and say, you better not let the polarity of your life get back out of control. You better keep your head screwed on right and understand, I've got three things to do tomorrow. I've got to rejoice always. I've got to pray. And I've got to in everything give thanks. If I can do those three things, I'll make it through tomorrow. The polarity of my life will get adjusted and I'll be able to walk. I will be able to walk in victory. I'm trying, my Lord, I, can y'all handle a little bit more? I want to finish this lesson. How many want to change the way you feel? Do you know how you change the way you feel? It's real easy. Change the way you think. This is not rocket science. It's just common spiritual sense. To change the way you feel, you've got to change the way you think. I'm not talking about ignoring your emotions or pretending that you don't feel a certain way, but rather letting God give you a new perspective. I got this revelation. My wife and I got this revelation a long time ago on forgiveness. I can forgive, but I'll never forget. There's a lot of truth in that. I forgive them, but I bless God. I hope God kills them. You really ain't forgave them. I hate to tell you. But brother Paul, let me tell you the miracle of the polarity of life. Forgiveness will open the door for you to have a different emotion about the situation. You may not forget it, but it don't affect me the way it used to. I forgive, but I don't have the same emotion. The emotion's not the same. That's when you know you're winning the battle. When Brother Vest, I, don't, I, I remember, but I don't have the same emotion. The polarity of life is adjusted. I'm getting, Brother Joe, there's some things that happened I wish wouldn't have happened. But you know what? I can live my life and it not be the boss of me. I'm in control. My mind, renewed by the Holy Ghost, renewed by the way I think, I can, oh, you know what I can do? Oh, devil, get. I refuse to have the same emotion about what happened 20 years ago. You got to do this more often than you think. Every day, I forgive. You're not living in denial. But you are declaring we can live a life to the fullest of positivity. We're not denying something didn't happen. But I refuse to let my emotions be ruled by what happened. It's true that you have a God. Oh, Jesus. It is true 
that we have a God who anoints our head with oil, causes goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life, and even prepares a table before you. But we better not ever forget that the table He is preparing for you is located in the presence of your enemy. It lets me know there will be some enemies or oppositions that I have to deal with. Internally, externally, spiritually, professionally, and relationally. People will oppose you if you're on the right track. Well, if I was doing everything right, why? Uh No, no. We tend to ask, what did I do wrong when the table's presented in the presence of enemies? People will oppose you if you're on the right track. But the better question, instead of what did I do wrong, what am I doing right? I must be doing something right. Victor Hugo wrote, you have enemies. Why? It is the story of every man who has done a great deed or created a new idea. Anytime you start doing something good, doing something right, get ready. The enemy's going to show up. No one gets to live his or her dream without other people trying to turn it into a nightmare. Opposition is table stakes for living the life you were born to live. I've learned this a long time, babe. The easy way to take, make the critics go away. Do nothing. Contribute nothing. Stand for nothing. Be nothing. They'll go away. Because you ain't going to do nothing. But when you live out your calling, you will always face pot shots from people who have given up on theirs. Be careful the one pointing out your failure. Be careful. Somebody's trying to live out their calling. When you live out your calling, there will always be those who take pot shots. The opening line of a famous story, a tale of two cities. It states it was the best of times and the worst of times. What I've learned about the polarity of life, that many times the two go hand in hand. Anticipating obstacles, yet being prepared for them. Helps you reframe the story you write in your head in the midst of your most challenging season. I know the obstacles are coming, so I better be prepared. I close. Some of you are saying, thank God. In the book, Extreme Ownership, how U.S. Navy SEALs lead and win. The authors, two former Navy SEALs, tells of a phase. They made a ritual. It was a phrase. They made a ritual. No matter what happened to them, in the midst of all manner of madness coming their way, they choose to think in response these two words, good time. Regardless of how unexpected, inopportune, or inconvenient the task in front of them, they allow themselves only 
the response. Good times. You may say, what does that have to do with me, Pastor? These Navy SEALs trusted the plan and they trusted each other. Which gave them confidence and assurance in moving forward. That response of good times put them in a proper frame of mind to stay strong and increase their effectiveness. In essence, they are taking a potentially negative situation and seeing it from a different perspective. Instead of bad, they are calling it good. Psychologists call this cognitive restructuring. It allows them to be on their toes and not on their heels as they move forward. So I close my message tonight and I dare you to try this this week. It's going to shift the polarity of your life. I've got a couple illustrations. They'll probably be goofy to some, but if the dishwasher breaks when you get home, good times. Now I'll get some time to listen to a podcast or put my phone on the ledge and watch a sermon while I, watch, while I wash dishes by hand. Well, it's raining again. Good times. Maybe God's given me time to rest. Maybe God's given me time to smell the scent of rain and reflect over what's coming next. Well, they're cutting back my hours. Good time. I've dreamed of starting my own business. Now I have time to push and make it happen. It's all in perspective. When one door closes, could it be God's giving you time to say good time? Some of you want to say good riddance. Good times. Well, I didn't get that job. I didn't get that promotion. I didn't get... Good times. Because you know why I can say good times and I'm going to say it like them. The Navy SEALs, the most prestigious, one of the most prestigious groups of men that you could, you could be a part of. Their declaration was this, Brother Dallas. I trust the plan and I trust each other. If I trust the plan and I trust each other, may not go like I wanted to, but good times. Good times. Because I trust His plan. He knoweth the way that I take. He understands. Paul would write, I think myself happy. Good times. You don't know what I've been through, Pat. Good times. It's going to be good for us over with. It's going to be good for It's going to be a platform for ministry and testimony. Boy, you just got to start declaring good times. Stand to your feet. Good times. Good times. Good times. I don't know what's going I do not know what we're going to face tomorrow. I don't. 
I don't know the phone call that I'll get. I don't know the marriage that may be on the brink of failure. I don't know the... I don't know. I don't know the call that's going to come on this phone. I don't know. We didn't know what was going to happen in 2021. But if somewhere down the road or somewhere tonight before we lay our head on our pillow, Brother Dodd, good time. What it's saying is tomorrow's going to be better. There's a brighter day tomorrow. Why? Because I trust the man that's in charge. I trust the body of Christ. I know he's working it all. Oh, for good. I know many times we say, for my good. My's not in that scripture. He's working it for good. He's working. God, I trust the plan. Trust you tonight. Lord, we close this service. But there's no way to close the presence of God and the Spirit of the living God that's moving right now. But tonight I declare good times over these people. I declare good times over my wife.